We're just it's just littered with awkward silences at this point. <laughs> Just yeah. trying to to get everything. Nope, nope, not yet. Oh, oh, oh! All right, this is uh, this is Rage Against the Pod, otherwise known as Rat Pod. This is a podcast where every week or every time we decide to pod, uh, myself, Tyler, and Jeff, way out there in the ether, hundred miles, hundreds of miles away, uh, is where we get into a different Rage Against the Machine song. Uh, we dissect it, we get into it, we get into the nitty gritty. And we just kind of make fun of certain things about it, if it comes down to it. But um, but yeah, this is Rage Against the Pod. And uh, please go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to mm. us on there. Follow us on social media mm. at Asinine Radio. But uh, yeah, this is going to be, um, this might be kind of a bigger episode because we're doing one of their their more popular songs. Right? Right? Yeah, this is like the... I don't know. This is this is a really popular rage song, but you don't always know it. What? <laughs> you don't always know it's popular. It's not like Testify or Gorilla Radio or Bomb Track or nothing, but it is very this is popular. bigger than Bomb Track. This is not bigger than Bomb this Track. This is bigger than Bomb Track. This is not bigger than Bomb Track. It is bigger than Bomb Track. This is not bigger than Bomb Track. The what, the, okay, then what <laughs> fucking song are we doing? What fucking song are we doing? Bullet in the Head. Yeah, we're doing Bullet in the Head from Rage Against the Machine. Uh, yeah, this song is the fifth song on their debut record that came out in 1992. It was the second single released from that record. Uh, they made a music video for it. It's a song that's remained in their live set from the very beginning, literally from their very first show, the very first show they ever played. This song has been there. Prophets of Rage have played. I mean, it's just... It's all over the place. All over the place. It's been on the radio. It's popular. So, yeah, yeah. let's just let's yep. just get right into this. Uh, what are what are what are our first impressions on the song "Bullet in the Head" by Rage Against the Machine? Go, Jeff. Mm, go. Ready? Go. go. I, 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 I I don't remember. I don't remember the first time I heard this song. <laughs> I remember the first time I rekindled my love for this song. I was, it was a couple months ago, and I was coming back from camping, and this had come on on some random playlist. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. I really fucking like this song. And then when the ending came in, then it kicked up faster and harder. I just, I was, I, I just I fell in love all over again. Did it again. There you go. I mean, this song for me, I, I remember, actually, I remember exactly where I was when I heard the song for the first time mm. i went with uh old friend of the pod uh kyle i won't say his last name cool dude though uh him and i went to the warehouse in your belinda because he lived right near the warehouse we walked down there i bought this record because i already had uh battle of los angeles so i bought this record and uh and we we had a cd player and we were listening to it on the way back to his house and this song came on, and I just remember it was like a really hot summer day, and the song just came on, and we were just like, what the fuck is this? We were just kind of like blown away by everything we were hearing on this record and this particular song in general, because it's just insane, especially more toward the end of the song, but great it stuff. It is. It is fantastic. And, and again, I it had been a long time since I've heard this song specifically, and so when I did hear it again, 
I think even I wanted to do like a Rage album or something afterwards. I don't remember. Which we did. Was that what it was? We did their self-titled album like three weeks or two weeks ago. This had to have been way longer, earlier than that. Not way earlier, but like two months ago. But anyway, let's let's get back to like the beginning, right? You said that this was, (laughs) they played this at their first show ever. Yes. And that that famous show, the the Quad Concert in Northridge, and uh, was it 1991? Yes, Cal State, uh, Cal State Northridge. Cal State Northridge, the Quad Concert. Yeah, they yep. they I have the the set list in front of me here, but um, they did play this. And the interesting thing that I that I was reading about this song was they pretty much took this song and didn't do much to it from the demo that they had released prior to their self entitled. They took this song and then just threw it on their self entitled and only re recorded some of the vocals. But other than that, like that was it. They used almost the same track from the demo. Yeah, I, I even made a note. Like the only difference I could tell really was the big difference was the reverb on uh, Zach's vocals. That was it. Other than that, the, the demo and the, the final version are pretty identical. That's so cool. That's that's so cool to like like this band was so proud of what they did that when they when it came time to put on a major label record release, they were like, nah, fuck it. Use the same one because it's too good. I know. It's crazy. Even the, well, what's cool too is that we don't see very many bands' first shows ever, but I think the entirety of the uh, their first show ever at Cal State Northridge, Cal, Cal, yeah, Cal State Northridge. Wait, fuck, is that right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think it's Cal State Northridge. Yeah, Cal State Northridge. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so the the video actually exists, and it was recently uploaded onto YouTube just, I think, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. So if you want to go check it out, go do it. It's pretty cool. I, I gave it a watch like a year ago. But it's, it's, fan, it's, it's, it's great. Like, I mean, I'm all, I'll just read off the set list real quick because it's pretty good. Do it. So they start off with Killing in the Name, but it's like an instrumental. Take the Power Back, Auto Logic, Bullet in the Head, Hit the Deck, Township Rebellion, Darkness of Greed, Clear the Lane, Clamp Down, that's a Clash cover, Know Your Enemy, a different version than, I guess, we know. And then they end it with Freedom. There you go. It's weird because that's a long set set. to play at a college. And their songs are long. They're like at least four minutes long. Yeah. Three and a half, four minutes long. Yeah, exactly. So that's, we were talking like a 45-minute set here. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty fucking long. Yeah. On top of all the the outrage and, and the angry, I'm sure, speeches that, he gave probably before or after or whenever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I wasn't there either. I wish I was there. But I was like four. Yeah. It was, it was October 23rd, 1991 when they played their first show. So there you go. Um, let's get into uh, what, the artwork. Cause because it was a single, it did get its own artwork. Um, the artwork kind of coincides with... Uh, what the song is about. It's just a picture of some elementary school kids doing the Pledge of Allegiance, black and old black and white photo. Um, and it kind of goes along with what it's about, like I said. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up there. I forgot the, the guy who, who took the picture. It's some. It's a French photographer. I forgot his name, though, off the top of my head. But Tyler, Tyler. The good thing I'm here for you. There you go. What do you got? The artwork, there's actually a front and a back to this this album art the front side like you said shows children doing the pledge of allegiance and you know they're in a classroom very 
basic stuff. On the backside, there's a little boy pointing a gun kind of off screen. And in the background of that little boy, there looks to be mar- like soldiers marching or just in line. And little boy is probably like five or six. And so just like the differences between, because it, it looks like the, the artwork on the back, the little boy, it's probably from Vietnam. They were really into the whole Vietnam War thing going on. And the guy that took the artwork is named Mark Rabaud. Rabaud, R-I-B-O-U-D. He's a, he's a French photographer. But he was heavily into the Vietnam War and taking pictures and such. So it's just kind of cool that they use two completely different photos of children from two completely different walks of life. But the way they're kind of related makes sense. Yeah. In a way. But Mark Rabot is, uh, he's done some pretty famous photos. One photo is a guy working on the Eiffel Tower and he's way up there. And in the background of this guy, you can see all of like Paris and he's kind of like painting the Eiffel Tower, but he looks like, looks like a dancer and he's kind of like holding onto like a rafter and one leg is extended like outward. So it was like over nothing. And he got this paintbrush and he's just kind of painting. If you saw the picture, you might recognize it. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't sound familiar, but yeah, maybe. I didn't think it did either, but I saw it. I was like, okay, I've seen that picture before. The other one was a uh, it was a high school it was a high school girl protesting the war in Vietnam outside of our capital in America, and she appeared to have like a flower in the face of a soldier who was pointing his bayonet rifle at her. Oh, and this is not the one where she's like where the guy is sticking the flower in the barrel, but this girl was like seventeen at the time protesting and. She is like right in front of the face of that gun. The other one that's very famous for that is is where the guy's actually placing the flower in the barrel. That was taken by some guy named Bernie Boston on the same day that Mark take took his own photograph of something very similar. Ooh, dang. Cool shit, man. See, I think the picture I'm thinking of is the the of the other photographer. The one where he's he's putting the flower yeah. in the barrel? I'm pretty sure that's the one I'm thinking of. Dude, this girl was 17 when she stood face to face with like looking down the barrel of a gun. It kind of makes you think though, with the photographer being there, was it the right place and right time or was it all kind of staged? I think if you take a thousand pictures, you're bound to get one or two great ones. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And this guy is all over, he was all over the place, not just like America. He was in Vietnam and Europe and Asia and Africa. So again, you take a couple thousand pictures, you're bound to get one or two fucking phenomenal but then, pictures. But then it also it also begs the question: How is he all over the place, and why? And you know, why is he as famous as he is? Was it was he a plant to help spread the propaganda? You know what I mean? I mean, just you never know. It's possible because I mean, this entire song is about propaganda and people falling for, or people just blindly following everything that they hear. He could this this photographer could very well be that a CIA plant, you know what I mean? And we're all falling for it. Rage Against the Machine fell for it. If they're not already a plant by the CIA, you it's possible. Know. I I mean, just my limited research that I did, not just Wikipedia, but like two other sites. <laughs> I did not I did not come across anything that says anything like that. Not to say that doesn't exist. But if there were a question, you would find something about it. You're bound to find something about it online. Again, I don't know if it exists or not. I don't know if it's true. You never know. But but like, but like. I, I think in that era, that, that generation of horrible things that governments were doing to its own people as well as other countries and other governments, 
I think that the kind of the only saving grace we had, the only thing we had to lean on were people like Mark Rabode who were getting in the face of soldiers and protesters and getting in between both of them to take pictures so the world could see how stupid this all really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, I don't, I don't think that he's a plant. I just think he's a dude that um, really, really wanted to be famous. And again, it doesn't cost that much money to travel the world if you really want to do it. If you want to do it cheap, if you want to do it, if you want to bum style it. does It's not really that expensive. No, you're you're totally right on that. Absolutely. Especially back then. I can't imagine how cheap and like how easy it was to actually travel if you wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're if you're willing to slum it, it must have been so fucking easy. I'm sure you could find like a boat to take you like halfway and as long as you swab the poop deck, you could probably get the free ride or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. But yeah, that was, that was that was the cover photo was School American school children doing the Pledge of Allegiance while the back photo shows a little boy holding a gun, which you can't even tell if it's real or fake, but he's like six or seven years old. He's pointing was a gun there, at something. Was there an orange tip on the end of it? <laughs> there was not an orange tip, so it had to have it been real. It had to have been real. Okay, there you go. Makes sense now. Uh, I, I did read something. I don't know how right it is because I'm not super in tune with, with music, even though this is kind of a music podcast. But I did read that on their debut album, uh, all of the songs on the record are in the key of F sharp and D. But this one uh, was actually in, uh, wait. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the only song that's on their debut record that's not in F sharp or D, in the key of F sharp or D. Uh, it's actually in the key of E, and uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's the only one that differs from everything else. But it is also kind of strange that everything else is in the same key, which I don't know. I thought it was a fun little tidbit. If it's actually true, I don't know. That is interesting. I wonder why yeah. E. Yeah, I. I mean, maybe I don't really they can get the, the the really low and then the high on mm. on the guitars. I guess maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe that might be it. But I mean, I I don't I don't I kind of under I mean I I understand like the concept of the keys and everything the whole song being in it, but. I don't know to to do the entire record in in two different keys and then this one in, in a different one. It just seems I don't know if that was intentional or what. You know, I, I think having the entire record in F sharp and G is just happenstance. But when you say this one was different, then I think maybe there's a little bit more to it than that. Because mm-hmm. that's interesting. I mean, the record's only like ten. Are we talking like the ten tracks? Just yeah, the, the, the ten tracks. Yeah. Okay, so nine out of the ten songs are. So there are three different keys being used in this yeah. record, which is not. I mean, they weren't a very complex band in in that on the first record regard, right? Not a whole yeah. lot of changes or key jumps or time signature weirdness going on. It was pretty straightforward. Yeah, that's true. Especially this record too. It's the most stripped down, straightforward like rap rock funk metal kind of thing you could do. Oh yeah, just name every fucking genre of music. That's fine. I can keep going. Punk, hardcore, uh, screamo, new metal, country, country maybe a little bit with the cowbells. Maybe there's there's cowbells in country. So there you go. I win, you lose. That's right. Um. Anyway, yeah, I, I thought that was a fun little tidbit. I mean, I'm pretty. I mean, it could be true. It could not be. I, I don't know. We'll just assume that it's true. We'll just. It's more fun to assume that it's yes. true. Exactly. We're just buying into everything that we read. Yeah. 
Which is the whole point of this song. We got a bullet in our head. <laughs> uh, the last thing before we, I think we should get into like the music, before we get into the music and the lyrics, I think we should get into one more thing, which was uh, something that you brought up today uh, was the Saturday Night Live performance. The Saturday Night Live incident. That they ended up not playing the song on. So take it away, Jeff, because oh, God. You, brought it, you brought it to light. Okay. Well, this was supposed to be, it was 20 years ago according to the article that I read in 2016. So it was 20 years ago, <laughs> or 24 years ago now. Today we're coming up on the anniversary. April 13th, 1996 was when Rage Against the Machine played on Saturday Night Live, the first and I think last time they ever played on Saturday Night Live. Yes. But um, what was the first song that they played? It was supposed to be a two-song set. Bulls on Parade, that's right. So it was supposed to be Bulls on Parade and then Bullet in the Head. And when they are doing the rehearsals... They, uh, one of the roadies for Rage, at the request of Rage, hung two upside down American flags from the bass amp and the guitar amp, which quickly enraged the Lorne Michaels and crew. Mostly because I think that Steve Forbes, this guy's Malcolm Steve Forbes Jr., was some type of uh, billionaire douche nozzle, Princeton mm. Republican guy, was on. That night, and I don't know who who decided that was going to be a good idea to put some guy who wanted to run for president, a Republican at that, a pretty boy who has no idea what it's like to be in the real world, put him on a show with Rage Against the Machine. (laughs) I mean, that was just, that's just stupid. And this is already five years after, you know, the the quad concert. So they've already been established. Everybody knows who Rage is. Rage Against the Machine, for God's sakes. I know, right? Come on. The title itself. So anyway, during the rehearsal, they 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 unfurlowed the upside down American flags, and they were like, "Nah, nah, 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 nah. that's not going to happen. You can't do it." And so they're like, "Okay, we won't do it." And so as they're warming up, or as you know, Steve is about to introduce, and our next guest is Rage Against the Machine. They ran out there real quick and unfurlowed the up- upside down American flags. Anyway, they said, "Fuck it, we'll do it," and they did it anyway. And so then after Bulls on Parade, they. Uh, you know, like in the old shows when they had the little cane that comes out and grabs their neck and yanks them off stage? Yeah. That's like what happened. <laughs> like Steve Martin and Lorne Michaels. Like, I don't know why Steve Martin, but Steve Martin and Lorne Michaels both did. They both extended the canes and yanked Zach <laughs> off stage. Which isn't even like the, like the best part for me. The best part for me was the article that I read. It didn't say who it was in Rage, but I assume it was... I don't think it was Zach just because it was a little more nice, I guess. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't as confrontational so i'm I'm thinking it was either timmy c or 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 b-dubs but he was saying that most of the band got kicked out kicked the fuck out and they had to leave but a couple of the guys kind of snuck back in kind of under the radar which is also i don't think it was zach and so while they're outside though a couple guys they didn't want to name names a couple guys from the snl cast came up to them and apologized and kind of gave, gave this like i don't know they they feigned interest in, in pretending that they that they cared. And it was that's just so petty. That's so stupid. That's just it makes it even worse. It makes it even more insincere and just so pathetic. And I'll probably never watch SNL again. But when was the honestly, when was the last time you watched SNL? When you told me about that air airline bit or whatever it was, or that bit that somebody got mad at you for saying it wasn't funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> but before so that funny. that was like a month ago. Before that, it had, I mean, it's, it's years, years and years and years. But yeah, that bit was terrible. Right? That was, dude, that was so, it was embarrassingly bad. 
I watched I watched bits here and there. But it see but it seems bit. like they try like they have a joke in mind and they say, no matter what, we're gonna get to that punchline. If it takes us thirty seconds, we're good. If it takes us ten minutes, we're gonna do it. And that's what the airplane bit seemed like. It just seems like it took a long time just to get one little joke across. Yeah, it was. They were, they it were was just stuck bad. to it. But yeah, that's that was the SNL incident, and that's that's funny. Yeah, I think though, to me, if, after reading the article and stuff and the, and the whole story, I feel like it was it was more than likely it was Timmy C and Tom Morello that put up the fuss. You know, I feel like Zach kind of takes the the more quiet approach to things, and then Brad Wilk is just like he never says anything. He just kind of goes with the flow. And so I feel like it was just Tom Morello and Timmy C that really stirred stirred the pot there. I can see that. On the then, whole show. Then this probably would have had to have been Timmy C then, because I think even Tom Morello they would have recognized. Because it did say they snuck back in because nobody noticed them sneaking back in. Yeah. But I think they would have recognized Tom Morello. Yeah, they might have. I mean, well, I mean, I honestly, all four of them have pretty distinct looks, you know? So I think it would have been... I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows how much of this is actually true, you know? It's all true again. Yeah. So so they ended up not even playing Bullet in the Head on on SNL. They got they got kicked out before they could play their second song. So sucks. Well they honestly too, from what I was reading too, the NBC didn't want um didn't want them to play certain parts of those songs. They wanted they wanted it to be censored because they didn't want to make uh Steve Forbes upset and all this shit like that and then they, of course, Rage kind of politicized it, saying, you know, oh, well, NBC is owned by GE, and GE uh, helped fund warplane, or they, they helped build warplanes in Vietnam. And you know, it's, it's just like, I mean, it's true, yeah, but it's like, dude, you're kind of like, you're stretching it. I mean, if you're going to look at it that way, then literally everything that you own and everything you do is fucking some, is linked back to something nefarious. You know what I mean? It's just like pick your battles, man, when you're talking. So the only reason why I kind of gave him more more credit here was because the show was on April thirteenth. So, you know, theoretically two days before tax day. Mm-hmm. And this guy, Forbes, was he was a presidential candidate in two, in nineteen ninety six. And I guess one of his things was he wanted to um he wanted to do a flat tax. And so putting him on two days before tax day would would have been a good idea because then mm-hmm. people when they're filing their taxes and right before the new tax reform is going to come out he's advocating for a flat tax and you know that's that's a really big thing people have tried to do it in the past mm-hmm. and in theory it sounds like a fantastic idea everyone just gets taxed the same percentage and it's fucking easy you can get rid of the IRS even there's, mm-hmm. there's so many so many good things but practical this is not going to happen it's that's, not going to happen though that's just silly and then I lose my job I wouldn't have a job you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's a perfect, perfect example of propaganda. You know what I mean? It's like two days before taxes, before tax day, and you're bringing this guy on to promote it. It's just, and apparently there were even like jokes and like met a lot of references to it on the show. It's just, it's just so blatantly obvious. It's insane, and and things are still like that to this day. You know, it's I don't even know. Don't you know? Don't you know? Donkey. Donkey. 
All right, let's get into the. Um, should we get into the lyrics? Or should we get into the music first? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's get into the lyrics. The lyrics okay. for me were pretty, were pretty basic, pretty elementary. There wasn't a whole lot there, but there were a lot of what some might say. There are a lot of some fighting words that he was. There's a lot of things that are very aggressive, very confrontational, very controversial. Yeah, definitely. So I, that's I agree what I with you. The song. I agree with you. Like with the elementary part, how. You know, it the way he presents things on this song are are kind of lower what am I trying to think? Like not lower level, but just very basic things. He doesn't use a lot of metaphors, he just I don't know. But He's but I feel like the story. There's nothing there's no yeah, yeah there's no metaphors going on. But damn, it, just like the second line, a yellow ribbon instead of a swastika. That's my favorite line. That, I mean, song. that is like some fighting words. Right? <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Like you're over here in Arizona and I'm listening to Rage and some guy is like, what, what does that line mean? And I explained to him that he, he sees that the yellow ribbon of, you know, support our troops is no different than a swastika. Yes. I mean, damn. <laughs> <laughs> that is ballsy. It is ballsy, but it, it makes so much sense. You know what I mean? It, they both... They both serve the same exact purpose you know what i mean they're both symbols and they're both symbols for the exact same thing just one you can argue is more extreme than the other depending on your viewpoint you know what i mean i mean i don't see much argument in saying that the the nazis were a little more extreme than us but you're right well there they is... were but there's also a viewpoint to everything you know what i mean true like the, the, what, what is the, over, the is... over here the, what is it? The, the common saying is no, one man's one. freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. Some bullshit like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because there's technically no good and evil. It's all perspective. I don't know. I don't agree with it, but, you know, it's, it's how it goes. It's the way she goes. It's the way she know? goes. But yeah, I mean, that is, that, that is very confrontational. Mm. And just coming, like the, like the next three or four lines, it's, it's just he's blasting troops. He's blasting blind patriotism and it's fun i like it <laughs> it is it's good I mean, times. The, the, the blind patriotism you know what i mean it's just people saying just the most you know run-of-the-mill plain thing to say just to say it you know and when it when deep down it doesn't mean anything you're not really saying anything you know it's like it's like <sighs> The time I was in EMS, like people would say, oh, thank you so much. Or like, thank you for your service. Like, dude, you don't even fucking know me. Like, <laughs> why are you saying like, I'm like, you have no idea what I do. You don't know how shitty of a person I, I could possibly be. You know, it's just like, why are you saying this? It, it was gross and it was embarrassing. And it's just like, dude, fucking calm down. Like, I think, you don't have to tell people that. I think it's that mindset of no matter what some people think that, because you've enlisted, you are better than most. Yeah, and I, I like that's that to me is gross. For one, I think so too. Yeah, it's misguided and it's just it's just it's not intelligent. It's dumb. It's not, and you. I mean, not obviously. You can't categorize everything. You can't. You can't. Uh, what am I trying to say? You can't generalize people or things like that you know it's like there are people who who have enlisted or who are in ems or who do things that you might think are heroic that are really shitty fucking people like i've met people who have been in the military that have been really awful people 
I've met people in EMS definitely that have been very awful people. Like you can't, you can't generalize like that. It does it. It's gross. I, I just don't like it. It just shows that you don't, you don't understand what you're saying. Right. It's blind and patriotism. It just, and like on the same oh, token gross. there, the guy in his community who does a lot of volunteer work, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to make up some dude that is the perfect citizen. The guy in his community who volunteers a lot and everybody knows him and he's a super great guy and donates his time. He donates money. He's always there helping people out. By him not enlisting, somehow he will never be as good as just some fucking 18-year-old who instead of turning to gang or, you know, the gang life, he just enlisted. Now that guy is automatically better in your eyes? You think him? Yeah. Like, I don't understand it doesn't there's no real logic to any of it you know what i mean but whatever what are you gonna do but that's like what i mean that's what the whole like first set of lines and then he goes into nothing proper about your propaganda Mm -hmm. which i mean this the 17 year old junior slash senior high school me when i thought about like do you remember when john and me were thinking about joining the military oh i almost did i almost signed up for the marines there was this guy whose name was Staff Sergeant Bofa, and it was over kind of by your old house, those those new portables, remember? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. He, he his office was like one of those. And when we were 17, John and I went in there, we're talking to him. And like at least once a week after school, like throughout, before we turned 18, we were always in communication. And then when we turned 18, all of a sudden, like he didn't even like call my parents or nothing. Like all this was done under just, it was just like the guys of like, Oh yeah, come and talk to whatever you want. No big deal. Like mm-hmm. just, just very, very, you know, very, what do I say? Lackadaisical, very chill. Mm-hmm. It just, it just, it's, it's so bizarre. Like uh, why, why did he never call my parents and, and, and inform my parents what was kind of going on? Like that to me was, was, was weird. Like even then, I thought like this guy is kind of weird. I don't understand like why he's not involving my family with this life changing decision. Yeah, that's that's weird. But it was mostly like, hey, you want more stickers? Come in. You want like a keychain? Come in. I'll even get you a sweater. You want a sweater? Come in. And then it was eighteen. Like all that shit kind of stopped. It was more like, all right, now it's time to be men. Here's the paperwork. Go ahead and sign it. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, dude, hold up, one second, hold on. Let me let me talk to my dad. Well, you know, you don't need to talk to him. And then they was just then I finally realized, wow, this guy's a fucking dick, man. <laughs> this guy is yeah, an exactly, asshole, man. Yep. I mean, that's the kind of the same thing with me. I had a friend named Kent. He was. I remember that a, guy. You remember Kent? Yeah. He had a tattoo on his lip. Yeah, he, he got he got <laughs> he got taste of ink tattooed on the inside oh of his lip. Oh my god! Yeah, from that's the so used. So good. Yeah, though. I like that. Because him and I love the used so much. So, yeah, and he, dude, dude, I miss that guy. That guy was fucking rad. He was a total surfer dude and just, he would go surfing every day before school. Yeah, he was a really, really, really cool dude. And uh, and yeah, when I was, you know, he was a year older than me and he uh, he enlisted to do the Marines and him and I used to like go running and kind of like train and, and do shit like that. And and he convinced me for like a good month, like, dude, you, you, you got to do it. Like, I'm doing it. You got to do it. You know, this and that. And, and dude, I, I was... I was as close as you could possibly get to enlisting into the Marines and I was going to do it. And then at the last second I got cold feet and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I I don't want to, like I started doing more research on my own because nobody tells you about this shit. Nobody tells you, Oh, you should, you should do your research before you enlist. You should do this and that. Yeah. 
but luckily, you know, I just, I kind of did it on my own and thank God I fucking did. Cause it would have been, it, I mean, I don't know what, I mean, I can't tell you what my life would have been like if I had enlisted, but damn, I'm glad I didn't. You yeah. Know? Jesus Christ. It's, it's just, it's, it's just, just something that's not for me. It's just not something for me. I mean, know? like, I don't know. I used, I used to always be kind of like an advocate of you could support our troops, but disagree with the war and. Like since like the older I've grown, I just I I don't think you can do that. I don't think that you can support. I mean, not everyone is like this, but I don't think you can support Staff Sergeant Bofa, the guy who tried to brainwash me. I don't think you can support that <laughs> into brainwashing seventeen-year-olds to join when they're eighteen. Yeah, and then you own their ass until they're fucking twenty-two. They miss essentially kind of like the best part of their early life mm-hmm. because they're in the Marine, because they're in the military. And they're fighting a war that they didn't start. They're not going to end, and no one's going to care about if they die. Yeah, I mean, and that is just that that is just garbage. That's true, and that's why you see most people who who enlist after their four years are done or whatever. You know, it's just they're out. Like they don't they don't ever look back. You know, like a lot. Some I mean, a lot of them do say, "Oh, you know, those are like some of the best times of my life." It's like, were they really the best times of your life? Because sounds pretty fucking miserable to me i know (laughs) no it was great fucking pt every day it's like well i mean you think it was great just because you don't know what it's like to be a normal person so i guess that's all you knew yeah i guess you think that's that's awesome but who knows i mean i can't you can't speak for everybody it's all speculation i have no idea what it's like to be in the military never been in the military true oh man what a tangent that was huh dude there's nothing proper about your propaganda that was all that but then the whole fool fault <laughs> fools follow rules when the set commands you. Yeah. And then like that I I specifically think he is calling young troops fools. So he's saying yeah. young rec- young recruits are fools because they're following rules just because the people are telling them to do to do it. Cuz they're naive. They they haven't understood like the follies of, you know, of making bad decisions because when you're 17, 18 years old, you haven't made any proper bad decisions you know what i mean you don't know like, in, shit. like in society you know like you've been in school you don't know what it's like for the most part you don't know what it's like to get fired from a job or to like really fuck up you know whatever it is in your life you know and it's just it's just it's insane how certain things prey on young people it, it's kind of despicable in some aspects it's but. not it's not even just like young people though it's just it's dumb people like like come to mind when I when I was reading about or reading the lyrics on this the first thing that thought or the first thing that I like that came to my mind was a Stanford prison experiment. Did you hear about mm-hmm. that one? I don't know. I don't think so. So like it was it was basically they got people. It was it was a social experiment. And they got people to play prisoners and they got people to play guards. Mm-hmm. And they didn't mm. they didn't give them any rules. They didn't tell them what to do. They just said act like your guards and act like your prisoners. They could have just sat around playing cards all day until the, the experiment was over, mm-hmm. but they actually took on those forms of guards, of prisoners, and they treated the prisoners like shit and yelled at them and cussed at them and got kind of physical with them at times, but there was no instruction given for them to even do that. So the fact that they did, it's just like, why would you even do that? That's so stupid. It's true, but I mean, it's what we're what we're shown on on TV and, and the stuff that we're told, you know? This is how a prison guard should act. This is how a prisoner should act. This is everything that you see. I mean, it, it's essentially propaganda. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I feel like 
I don't know. It, it could it, it could it lead to the question that like that maybe you know prison life has got worse over the years because of what we see on TV and people who do go to prison they think that's how it should be so they overcompensate. But isn't that, that like isn't sense? that crazy? Like like if if somebody paid you, so here's five hundred bucks for the next two days. Pretend you're a guard. Like would you treat somebody like shit? No. You, or would Not you be like, put like on. dude, no. somebody gave me five hundred bucks. I'm just gonna kick back. You guys do whatever you want. I don't give a fuck. Like everybody do whatever they want. We've already been paid. Who cares? Like that's what this was. But yeah, instead of but just being like that, they took on the role of prison guards. They took on the role of prisoners and acted as such. And that's so but dumb. Then you, but then, you know, in an experiment like this, you have to look at, like, how are these people qualified or how are these people chosen to be a part of this experiment? I'm sure they gave an IQ test and chose the lowest of the low. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they, they had to run them through a series of tests to see that, you know, they believe that they're just going to follow whatever they, they've seen in the media or on TV or whatever, you know what I mean? But then you also hear the the, the Milgram experiment, the one where... You have a guy and he's having, he has like a shock table and there's a wall and there's another guy on the other side of that wall that the first guy can't see. Mm -hmm. And the dude pretend boss tells him, okay, give him a shock. And so the guy gives him a shock and he hears the guy on the other side of the wall yell in pain. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, he's, he's fine. He's fine. Just keep shocking him. Keep shocking him. Keep shocking him. At what point do you stop shocking that guy and say, dude, I'm not fucking shocking him anymore. But in that experiment, the vast majority of people just kept shocking them doing what they were told, regardless of anything. They didn't know the guy telling them to get, they didn't know the guy giving orders. They didn't know the guy behind the wall. They just heard some dude screaming every time they pressed a button, but they continued to press that fucking button. Yeah. It's, it's Fools follow it's, rules when the set commands you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm just going to start telling people that whenever they do something fucking stupid and don't think for themselves. <laughs> Uh, that'll put you in a bad place, though. You know what I mean? If you don't follow the rules, man, you'll go to jail. You get fucked up, man. That's how you get a bullet in your head. Yeah, it's true. In your head. It's very true. Uh, and then also in this in this verse, too, there's an interesting line. Uh, c- cellular phones sounding a death tone. That's good. I, f- I feel like, you know, the, what was, that was in 91 when he wrote this fucking song. Yeah. Or when he wrote the lyrics of this song, like... It's a, it's an interesting kind of way uh, or an interesting viewpoint on even way back then, you know, the, how we were communicating with one another was changing so drastically. And like, you don't think of cell phones back in 1991. You think of pagers and that's pretty much it. You know, that, that's case cell phones, right? Yeah. You don't think, you know, this is already at this point, it's already kind of controlling people's lives. That's so. That's one thing I'll give Zach. Like I will give Zach the fact that he saw these cell phones in his early life and said, even though everybody says this is going to make life easier, this is going to make life better, nah, fuck it. I don't like these things. Mm-hmm. And look where we are today. Like We're just fucking slaves. We are pathetic. We are so sad. We're so in tune with our cell phones. Damn, Zach. And social media. He is the prophet of rage. That's very true. He is. You know what? I, okay, kind of bringing it back to modern day with this whole quarantine bullshit that's going on how we're we're stuck at home where a lot of people are stuck at home now uh i've my my iphone like tells me i have this thing set up to where it tells you how much you're on your phone and like what you're doing on your phone like social media wise or if you're watching stuff or doing this and that and i've noticed like i've cut my my cell phone usage 
down from like four and a half hours a day to like an hour or less a day, which is kind of crazy considering I'm, I'm just my entire lifestyle has changed over the last month, but yet my cell phone usage has actually dropped like significantly. It's really, really strange. Very, very strange. I was shocked by it. Are you just doing other things? I mean, it must be, but... I mean, I mean Animal that, Crossing just came out, so could that be a... Well, there's that, but even prior to that, you know, I mean, I, I have been doing a lot, like, outside, like, I've been playing guitar a lot, I've been reading a lot more than I used to, and just shit like that, I guess, but still, I don't know. It That's does seem good, strange. Though. Most impressive. It does seem strange. Most impressive, too, that you were on your phone four hours a day. That's actually not that hard to do. Four hours? Yeah. I wonder if there's a tracker. I'm, I'm going to see if I can download a tracker and then report back in a week. Yeah, the iPhones have an automatic tracker that you can set up. And yeah, it, it documents like, and it'll show you like how long you've been on certain apps. So like Instagram is always like my number one. It's like, oh, you've been on Instagram for like two hours today out of the four hours. I'm like, oh, fuck, what am I doing? But no, That's no. nice. It kind of makes you feel dumb for oh, wasting absolutely. two hours of your day. It does. But I mean, it, it hasn't stopped me from doing it. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I've been on it for two hours, but I've enjoyed the two hours. Fuck you, or at least I think phone. I do. Yeah, I'll so. do what I want. Was <laughs> <laughs> good. Ah, uh, but but back to this too. Uh, and another line that I thought was interesting that I didn't know about until I looked it up. But the the line where he says the sleeping gas, every home was like Alcatraz. Um, I never, I mean, I've always known that line, but when I looked it up apparently on Alcatraz in like the, the, uh, the mess hall, there were canisters of tear gas lining the ceilings of the mess hall in case a riot were to break out or anything like that. They would instantly be activated and it would subdue everybody. I never knew that, but yeah, apparently that was true. And, and more into reading about Alcatraz, apparently it wasn't even that dangerous of a, of a prison it was actually one of the more safer prisons and a lot of a lot of inmates preferred to go to Alcatraz because there were less riots, there were less fights, less murders and all that kind of stuff because they were more strict with uh, with how they dealt with it, which I thought was very, very interesting because you always view Alcatraz as, as just like, you know, the the end of the line when right. it comes to, the to rock. inmates. Yeah. It's Propaganda. The worst of the Michael Bay. It's Michael Bay. Michael Bay is a CIA shill, you know? You know what I mean? But is Nicolas Cage, though? Have I been betrayed by Nicolas Cage? I think you have been. Oh, he's like the it Illuminati was... master, dude. He hates the Illuminati. Have you seen National no. Treasure? He's part of the Illuminati. Oh, is that why he made the movies? That's what it's all about, man. And Face Off, you see Face Off where he switched faces? He's probably already done is it. That, That's how they got is the that fucking... A, is what? that a Michael Bay movie as well? Face, face Off? Movie? Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of explosions in it. I don't think so. Uh, if it's a Michael Bay movie, I will be not that surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at it. Oh, it's, it's John Woo. Oh, wait, he was the guy who did Mission Impossible 2, right? John Woo's done a bunch of stuff, but uh, did he do Mission Impossible? Yeah, he did But Mission I think he's, like, he's too, best yeah. known for that, right? With the, with the fucking doves floating through the air? Yeah. Oh, so stupid. John that's, was an idiot, too. That's weird because Mission Impossible 2 is the worst of the Mission Impossibles. <laughs> Wait, who did the who did Die Another Day? Was that John Woo as well, the James Bond movie? Well, I don't know. You're the James Bond aficionado. I can't remember who does who did Die Another Day because that's an awful... That's the worst James... More 
Yeah, it's probably the worst. James, yeah, it is the worst James Bond movie. I just know that John Woo did a bunch of like Hong Kong gangster movies with the. Uh, oh, what's that dude's name? Chow Yun Fat. Oh, he did really. Yeah, I didn't know that. Is that why there was a lot of like slow motion and shit in the, uh, in uh, the second Mission Impossible? Probably. Oh no, Lee Lee Tamahori was the director of uh, Die Another Day. Never mind. Anyway. Let's get back to uh, Bullet yeah, in the Head. Uh, yeah, let's that's see. the first what, verse there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we really got really deep into that. We're way farther in this episode than... This might this will definitely be the longest episode we've ever done. It's just it's crazy because, again, like, there's nothing, there's nothing deep here. They're just very confrontational lyrics, and they elicit uh-huh. such responses, uh-huh. good or bad. Like I, With I just, like just a few lines, it's right? Crazy. Like again, that yellow ribbon instead of a swastika. Never paid attention to it till this week. Never even yeah. like thought twice about it. Same here. <laughs> and I'm just it's like, crazy. damn. Like imagine telling a soldier or anybody with a thing like, oh, that's that's a cool swastika you got in your car there. Mm-hmm. Like you, that, you dude, would never say that. People get killed for <laughs> shit like that. You get shot for <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, exactly. Which is also stupid, but yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of leads into the chorus then. You know, there's not much to the chorus lyrically, but it's just, just victims of the in-house drive-by. They say, ju- they say jump. You say how high. Just victims of the in-house drive-by. You know that that those are the fucking lyrics, in the chorus. I mean that but that, he, that he phrase. Over over. They say jump. You say how high. I mean, you see that in countless like military movies too. Like bullshit, private. When I say jump, you you say how high, like that yeah. type of thing. And it's just like indoctrinated yep. into us that whenever you see that line, you you automatically think of somebody in authority, like an authoritative figure telling somebody else a jump and that person is is expected to ask how high should I jump? Not even like why am I jumping, just how high should I jump? Yeah. Like it's so disrespectful, it's so degrading, it's just disgusting. It's just an extension of what he was already talking about in the first verse. And... And also, you know, this is another example of this first record where he spends a lot of time just repeating himself over and over again uh, with the lyrics, especially on Killing in the Name, which we'll eventually get, get to when we do that song. But but yeah, he this chorus, he just repeats over and over and over again. But it's an example of, to me, a, an example of propaganda and just, you know, things constantly being thrown at you and constantly being said to you until it's ingrained in your mind into your mind but zach does it well you know he just says this shit over and over again and even and then just the the first line just victims of the in-house drive-by the kind of the 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 meaning the double meaning of that you know the victims of the in-house drive-by of an actual drive-by shooting but then also saying you know what it was, I guess the the metaphor of the the TV being the gun, you know, and you're just shooting yourself in the head with the TV. So it it was a it's a nice little metaphor that he used there. I agree. Yeah, uh, let's get into the second verse then. Um, check it, check it, check it out. It's the first line of the second. Verse. <laughs> <laughs> you just love saying it like or trying to say it like he says it. Huh? <laughs> I have no idea. You could put some like I don't know some some. Some dramaticism behind it. Check I'm not as check it. Check it out. I'm just not as nasally as Zach. That's what comes down to. Uh, But you know, the second verse is most of the second verse are just 
parts of the the first verse and the chorus thrown into this and that's pretty much it the only the only real difference is like right in the middle of it there's a few lines where he he does say something a little bit different but other than that it's pretty much him just kind of reinforcing what he had said before you know so like hey but like one thing i never knew i never knew at all until reading the lyrics is the cheka Mm -hmm. like have you ever heard of the cheka like the like the soviet secret police organization no i haven't so like the check it check it check it out I don't know if that's him being cute and just saying like check it check it out. He's trying to say check it out, or if he's referencing the Soviet secret police organization that were like notorious for committing horrible atrocities, including like skinning people alive when they interrogate them, raping children, raping women. Like they're an awful, awful organization. And so for him to say check it check it out, I don't know, man. That's fucking cool. That's like really. That's really doing your homework, you know what I mean? Like, if it was anybody else but Zach, I would probably just brush over it. But because it's Zach, I feel like he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, especially considering, you know, the fall of the the Soviet Union just two years prior to this. Everything's still fresh in everybody's memory, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it makes perfect fucking sense. That's what it's about. Even the Vietnam War, like, think about it. Would the Vietnam War end in 76 or 77? Some something like yeah, seventy four. Yeah, it was like mid seventies when the Vietnam War ended. So by the time you know this song came out, the Vietnam War was only fifteen years later. You know, it's like there's been more time between now and nine eleven than there was between this and the Viet- the end of the Vietnam War. That's yeah, crazy and, and, to fucking think about, right? And like, just think of how fresh nine eleven is, even to people like uh, not to people like us, people with age, the age group of us. Like, I still remember exactly what was going on, where I was, what happened, everything about that day. Like, imagine people that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Like, they know, mm-hmm. they, they like, they remember it so much more vividly than we do. And like yeah. you said, 15 years after it ended, I mean, people, people fucking know. People don't forget. They've been forgotten. It's crazy, man. But I thought that was kind of cool to check it, check it out. I, ne- I have never heard of the check, the checkers. Ah, the checkers. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny yeah, too. Never it's it's not funny, but I'm watching this show called The Americans. You ever heard of it? Oh, I've been wanting to watch that. Dude, yeah. it's fucking good, man. You should watch it. You would like it. It's just it's straight up like espionage. There's a lot of I don't want to give too much away, but like Cold War espionage, a lot of mm. that conspiracy things going Ooh, on from both sides, from the KGB and the FBI. I didn't know it was right. gonna be about KGB agents in America, but that's what it's about. Yeah, I've, I've been wanting to watch it. I, I've been also wanting to watch Man in the High Castle. I read the book years ago, and I've always wanted to watch the show. But then recently, I heard like the show, the last season of the show, like completely straight away from the story, the the actual story went more like sci-fi and everything, and it kind of got cheesy. But, but yeah, the Americans, I do want to watch too. So. Watch the Americans. I'm on. I just started season three. <laughs> maybe I'll watch it. Yeah, I'm maybe, plowing maybe through I, it. Because I'm kind of like, I'm looking for something new to watch that I haven't watched already. Because I kind of restarted the X-Files and I've been watching episodes. I've been going through the the seasons and I've been watching the ones I really like. So pretty much any of the episodes that aren't Monsters of the Week episodes, you know, minus a few here and there. But yeah. But yeah, I'm looking for something new. Check it out. I'm telling you, the Americans, it's cool. You got, like I said, you have good espionage from both sides. 
But then you also have to balance it with this couple trying to pretend they're married. But then you also mm-hmm. have it because they're they're both very different. One is one hundred percent loyal to the to the death for the motherland, but the other one is starting to kind of like American culture and the American way of life. So you know, down the line, there's going to be problems there. Mm-hmm. And so it was just cool to watch them both kind of like bicker, and then one of them is like, "You fucking know what our mission is? These aren't your friends. These aren't your family. These are just, these are fucking targets." It's just good, man. Okay. It's cool. It's solid. Good drama. I, I think you've convinced me, honestly. You've con- you've convinced me. You've pushed me over the edge. Plus, um, like every episode, there's something I can like. Oh, I've never heard of that before. Let me like research it, so I can like pull up my phone, and fucking do some research and shit. But I've not heard Cheka yet. <laughs> yeah, the the Cheka thing I've I've never heard, but that's super fucking interesting. Uh, let's move on to the um to the bridge. I mean, the bridge is is pretty plain and simple i mean it's just really hitting home kind (laughs) of the propaganda thing it's just oh yeah fuck you're standing in line believing the lies you're bowing down to the flag you got a bullet in your head you stand and then he just repeats that that that's the bridge and then it just fucking the song the whole song just like explodes after that okay so this was the line that i think is the most possibly controversial of the Maybe like even their entire discography. Ooh. So when he's Not, saying you're standing what about in the, wait, 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 what what about the the priest as he whispers holy or wait, what's the what's the line? Like the priest that whispers no, the priest wait. that fucks you as he whispers holy things. Yes. Even more controversial than that. That's not everyone fucking knows priests are discussing pervs and the Catholic Church <laughs> is a joke. But so like this one man, this 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 podcast is very also very controversial. <laughs> but this, so this one, we saying you're standing in line, believing the lies, bowing down to the flag. So if you took that in today's terms, if you if you Kaepernicked this thing right here, Dang. when you're standing in line, you know, you're standing in line mm-hmm. waiting for the national anthem or whatever it is, but because you believe those lies that the flag represents, and that's why you bow down to the flag, that's why you take a knee, is he saying from fucking 1991 that we should not be taking a knee when the national anthem has hit? Is, oh, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Is Kaepernick backpacking off a Rage Against the Machine? Well, he's backpacking off of everything that anybody said, you know, in the past. Like, Rage Against the Machine were the OGs, though. But they weren't. They you know, were. Like, no one has you know, ever not like, bowed down to the flag except for Rage. You ever, sat, you ever heard, like, like, read about, like, Malcolm X or... or Didn't happen. Or, controversial figures like him never heard of him never heard of him yeah. never heard of him <laughs> he's telling you right here man he's telling you don't take a knee don't like even if you want like if you want to get real deep and real fucked up on this too like at this point rage was very against like american but he's american culture but especially like the war culture and so whenever you think like a soldier's flag comes back, right? Just a flag or whatever it is, and everybody bows down to it. And, then, and I think, I think, like his his mindset is like, why? Like, why are you doing that? The bullet in your head is not your specific head, but I think he's talking to somebody else. Like he's pointing the finger, saying, "A bullet in your head." I'm pointing right now. You can't see me, but I'm pointing a bullet in your head. And I think maybe the song is he's not talking about like 
he's talking about a specific person, a soldier, somebody who's a, who's getting ready to join. He's like, no, fucker, this how it's going to end up. And that's why the song progressively gets harder and harder and harder and faster and faster and faster. And that drum roll out, and then it's just mm-hmm. done. It stops. Like, that's the end of this little soldier's life, man. What if that's what it is? Oh, wow. That's, a, that's actually, that's really interesting from that viewpoint, yeah. It's yeah, you're being constantly fed that propaganda and it just builds, builds and builds until you die. Cause it starts off with wow. him saying like the yellow ribbon instead of a swastika, like, you know, you you're being you're being enticed like I was by Staff Sergeant Bofa. Bofa these nuts. <laughs> by Staff Sergeant Bofa. And he's enticing me with free fucking keychains and stickers because I'm an idiot seventeen year old. I'll do anything for stickers. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, dude. I swear that was his name, Staff Sergeant Bofa. Oh my god. Oh, that was that was great. That was great. I'm starting to feel oh, that beer a little shit. bit now. I'm starting to feel that stout. It's that stout come up. People come up. People come. <laughs> oh my god. I still got my butt white blend to drink too. Your butt light lime? Yeah, my butt white lime. My butt white lime. Oh, your butt white lime, yeah. <sighs> but yeah, that's oh, that that was shit, another was like funny. radical theory that I had with this song. <sighs> that was good. I mean, that that's actually that that's very, very interesting. And it makes a lot of fucking sense. Next time you listen to this song, picture Zach specifically talking to like maybe his nephew that's like sixteen or seventeen. That just said like, Anki Zach, I wanna join the Navy. And he's like, he's like, check it, check it, check it out. And then he sings his whole song. <laughs> Instead of just saying no, he sings the song. <laughs> oh, shit. That is so stupid. It's good stuff. All right. We, we barely touched on the music, which is normally what we do first is we touch on the music. But let, let's get into that real quick. Well, you thought the, the lyrics would be easy. Huh? Well, I thought we'd get through it faster, but mm-hmm. clearly it wasn't. That wasn't the case, but, um, so the song starts out with just that fucking funky bass line, the slap bass line. You like that? You like, you like that funky bass line or what? You like that? You like that? You like that? Eh, yeah, eh. of course I do. It's super funky. You can still hear him slap the strings quiet. He's not hiding it. It's just, it's very, it's very garage band esque. <laughs> garage band. Right. <laughs> Like what's the odd, like you like you hate pro, like pro, uh, what do you call it? Can, what does what does Feldy always do? Like you hate me when he when he produces music. It's very uh, I don't know what like condensed. Is that what you always say? Is that what I say? You say something about Feldy. You say that he's like condensed or processed or programmed or something like that. Do I say that? I don't think I say that. <sighs> there's some there's some there's some adjective you always use, but this is like the opposite of no. that. Whatever that is that you dislike, this is the this is the. The Antichrist of that. This is the bizarro <laughs> the LD. Yes, this is the opposite of that. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 baseline is yeah, I think is one of the band's best bass lines that they've ever that they've ever had in a song. And then you have Tom's like that that really high pitch that in the verses. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like the way he's like using the the whammy pedal or the wah pedal with the um with like this like weird harmonic, it's just like 
how did you even come up with this? Like, it doesn't even sound real. <laughs> it sounds like a, like a weird-ass fucking sample, you know? I was even trying to read on how he was doing it, and whoever wrote what I was trying to read was clearly better at the guitar than I am, and I still <laughs> couldn't understand what he was doing. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll just take your word for it, dude. <laughs> no idea. But, like, the way his guitar sounds, it's almost... Like he's coming out the gate trying to fucking piss me off. Like trying to irritate me with that irritating guitar tone. It's annoying. Mm. It's yeah. scratchy. It's fucking obnoxious. But I think it's uh I think it fits well with the song. I think it flows very, oh, very well. Because again, the the Timmy C and, and B dubs are very groovy. They're very funky. And then Morello's like, I gotta bring you down a notch. Here's something irritating. Well, they make it more like a hip hop song, you know? That that's kind of to me, this song is it's really cool the way it's structured is that the first half of the song is very hip hop with just the bass line, the drums, the vocals, and then like a weird little sample, you know, I put that in, in quotes. And then you get to the halfway point and it, it, it stops. It kind of, then you kind of get into like the, this like kind of like weird, like punk groove. And then it just builds, builds and builds. And then it just fucking explodes into what you get at the end of the song. So the way the song builds and the way the song transitions and and just it's a very unique song in in of itself and it's executed so damn well. It's fantastic. So he's throwing the guitar almost like it's like turntables and like you said he's sampling something. That's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, That's, yeah I like that. Yeah, and, and that whoop whoop and that whoop whoop. Oh, yeah, that's so good. And then also, if you notice, his guitar solo is. Is he puts the, his guitar solo after the first verse? It's like it's only like a minute and like a forty seconds into the song, Love and he already has his guitar solo. It it's very simple for him, but I don't know. It almost in a way it kind of doesn't need to be there, but it was a nice touch. You know what I mean? It would like if they took it out, it wouldn't have taken away anything from the song, but it was still a nice touch. When we did the uh, the actual episode, I had mentioned that the, the the guitar solo, the like almost the last part of it, it has that weird like fall to it. That weird, and what I said, it sounded like something Omar would do. Mm-hmm. I still think that I still think like that was some weird, just like weird finger picking with all these effects. That's something that I could hear Omar doing, and like the Mars Volta, early Mars Volta days, I guess. Because Omar is great. I mean, he he has his moments for sure. He has his moments where I think like, wow, I'm blown away by this guy. Mm -hmm. But that's that's kind of what Morello had. Morello had like his solo is very basic. It's pretty melodic, but then there's that one little part where it's like, yeah, I know exactly that that kind of scale down, you know. And that's like very that's like very Omar. That's very like prog rock, fucking weird noise, a lot Mm -hmm. of sound manipulation going on. And then it kind of goes into the big like power chords, you know what I mean? Boom, boom, boom. If that makes any sense, because that was great. But. That was great. No, I I completely got it. But yeah, that's solid. I I, I love the solo. It's one of my favorite Morello Rage solos. Is it your wait favorite Morello Rage solo? So you have a solo outside of Rage that you like more. Well, yeah, his harmonic solo when he when he's playing in uh, the Night Watchman oh better. God. I was hoping you'd say like an Audio Slave solo or something like that. I only like one Audio Slave song. What song? It's that "How You Remind Me" song. Or this. Oh yeah, 
whatever that song is. I can't remember the exact title, but yeah. But the the guitar solo in Like a Stone was really good too. That was a solid solo. And then it goes into that acoustic jam. So good. I just leave it just like the Foo Fighters of wannabe rage music. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Oh, God. And then, you know, not only Zach's lyrics... His his rapping throughout you know the first part of the song, but then his screaming toward the end too, where he, like it, it really throws back to like the old hardcore punk scene, and dude he has he has a solid fucking scream and this song really shows it and it the way he builds up to that scream is is just fantastic once it blows up, and then the very end the 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 last note on the record is Timmy C's bassline. Like what a way to end a fucking song is with the bass line like that. Like who the fuck does that? Never. Never is that done. Well, I mean not not never, but you know what I mean? It's just no, you're right. it was a cool it was a cool touch. Yeah. You know. I mean the 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 whole the whole build up. I mean it's it's a very natural build up and you know just based off of rage and I think this is like the sixth song on the album. Five. Five. Yeah. So, like, based off of what you've already heard from Rage, you know that the natural progression of this song is going to eventually become something different than what you already hear, especially because, like you said, the solo was really early on in the song. And mm-hmm. sometimes he likes to reserve those solos for a little bit later and keep you interested. So, you, so like, you know there's some type of progression that's going to go into this. And that fast part, you feel like you got it. And then it goes a little bit, they, they, it double times it towards the end. And that last part, Zach's just like going fucking crazy. He's yelling, he's screaming. And that last drum roll out and the bass line. It's a perfect song. Yeah. All right, man. Do you got anything else to say about the music? Or should we move on to some other um, stuff? I mean, just just that the quiet part with Zach, Timmy C, and B-dubs before it really gets into the latter part. That transition yeah. between the two, <laughs> mm-hmm. that that's probably my favorite part of the song. Just because I know it's coming, I know it's already happened, and I just want to enjoy the moment. Even though I really, really love the double time at the end, mm-hmm. I just I like to just bask in that glory, <laughs> the glory of that buildup. Yeah, it's almost like when you're playing a game, like a like a like a like Halo Two, for instance. And I know I'm playing against some like noob. And I pick up the rocket launcher and I already know where the guy is. I know he's below me. I know he's walking up to go to this like elevator shaft. And mm-hmm. all I got to do is just stand there and wait for him to come up to the elevator shaft and I can kill him. But once I grab that rocket launcher, I already know I won. I already know the game's <laughs> over. I haven't killed him yet, but I already know it's over. <laughs> That's like that part for me. I haven't killed him yet. I've done nothing. I've only picked up the rocket, but because of the situational awareness, I know where he's at. I've already know I've won. And that's what wow. that part is for me. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you threw this back to fucking Halo. Specifically, the map lockout. I was that's impressive. Dude, Ryan and me were champs at Halo. We were so fucking good. Yeah, you guys were really good, yeah. Just to show you how good we are. It. Just a, a little side little side quest. A little, little side quest. Here. We went to a party one time, right? We went to a party one time where it was, I don't remember whose party it was, but there were a bunch of people there, and a couple guys were playing Halo. 
And of course, naturally, they go, oh, right to the halo. I said, who are you guys playing against? Like, oh, we're playing with our neighbors. They had drilled a hole in the wall to connect a land cable so they could do like a local play. Yeah. And then we were like, oh, like, are they good? Like, yeah, they're really good. They keep beating us and beating us. I was like, all right, let me, uh, let me try. Let me play with Ryan. So Ryan and me sat down at some, we have no idea who these people are. We have no idea who we're playing against. And we fucking creamed them. Just annihilated. Like the kill to death ratio was like fucking, for every like seven, eight, nine kills we had, we died like maybe once. Like it was so bad that the guys next door came around, knocked on the door. Who the fuck is playing? And we're like, oh, it's us. That's how good we were, bro. We were so good at Halo 2. I You're peaked. referring to one party with a I bunch peaked. of nerds. I peaked. One party with a bunch of nerds. I peaked. That was it. I could do nothing else in my life that was better I than could. that. I mean, okay. Yeah. You said it. You should ask Ryan about that party to see if he remembers. I'm sure he does. It was probably like the highlight of his life. <laughs> Same Zizo. Rules. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. Okay, let, let, let's wrap this one up here. Uh, we had talked about before earlier that, you know, this was a demo. This was, they played the song their first show ever. Um, and we already talked about it a little bit. The only difference really is the vocals and the reverb and maybe little tiny things here and there, but it's pretty much the same. Uh, music video wise, there was a video. It was just them recorded live right before like a BBC performance or some bullshit like that. It's whatever, nothing to write home about, right? Or was it something to write home about? Was it? Like the no, other kids? It was dumb. Yeah. Uh, live, you know, they've. this has pretty much been in every fucking set list the band has ever played. And uh, it sounds exactly like every other performance. Like there's no, there's no difference in it. You know what I mean? Uh, Prophets of Rage. The, uh, the popular version of Prophets of Rage with uh, uh, Be Real and uh, Chuck, D. Chuck D. And Chuck D. They play this song very, very often. And, you know, Be Real sang or rapped the verses. And it's just like, why was he ever in this, this group? Like, he should have just made it Chuck D. Like, it would have been so much better if it was just Chuck D. But uh, yeah, it's just not very good. They it's play not. it a lot. Yeah, it's not very good. Yeah. No. Uh, Audio Slave, they never played this song live. As far as I could tell, they never That's played weird. it live. Yeah. They, they, there are three songs that they played live. Audio Slave played live. But, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll get into that on those episodes. But yeah, they, as far as I know, they never played Bullet in the Head live. Uh, so now we're down to... Uh, to the end of the episode. The best part of the episode. With some covers and stuffs like that. Now, the first one I have here uh, is from Insane Clown Posse. Oh, boy. Now, they did not... Oh, oops. Tag me they, excited. They didn't necessarily cover the song. They just used the bass line. So, um, okay. so here's a little bit of the song. It's called... Fuck, what is it called? My Fun House. By insane clown posse. Okay.
am over that. Yeah. So Just, you did not like that song? No, that was... <laughs> I don't I don't understand why people like Insane Clown Posse. Okay, so I did add that to my metalcore, rap metal, <sighs> new metal playlist. Why? As, as you were still playing it. <sighs> why? <laughs> because I'm a little toasty. I like the bass line. And they were just kind of like saying words that were funny. Oh my god! But it, it has like a thirty-five second intro. Oh well, you didn't play it. You didn't, you didn't know, tell didn't, me that, didn't, Tyler. You didn't no, tell I didn't me play that. the intro. That, but that yeah, cha- that's like a, that's a, that's a game changer for sure. I hate long intros. I hate long outros that are it's instrumental. Like a thirty-five second intro, and it's the, like them. It's like a skit. I was gonna say that that would be the third insane wow insane insane clown posse song that I like. That's. Three too many. Oh, got him. Whew. That was. I mean, I just I wanted to play that because why would you use a rage like a classic rage baseline and just just make just horrible music over it? It just doesn't make sense, you know. I don't I know. Well, I anyway, will, I will I will listen again and see if that will make my top three insane clown posse songs. Uh, it probably won't. But um, but this next one, this was this came from an album, a a tribute album called Freedom, tribute to Rage Against the Machine. This is from a band called Scarecrow Adams, and um, I don't know how you can make this song boring, but they tried. Scarecrow Adams. Do you like that one? No, that was that was awful. That was <laughs> terrible. That was that was not only boring. That was like disrespectful. <laughs> right? Like I, I've heard boring uh, covers. Like when some forty one did Killer Queen. That was a boring cover. This hey, was man, this was disrespectful. That was good. That was a good cover. No, it was boring. <sighs> You're crazy. Like when the Vandals did "Don't Stop Me Now." That was also hey. boring. Now you now you you've crossed the line. You've crossed the fucking line here. <laughs> when Mike Herrera <sighs> did the cover of Superman, that was a good cover. Thank you. Good night. That was actually a very good cover, even though it sounded just like the original, but you know, you're just kind of going against everything that you've ever said in your life. But okay. But it was acoustic. Uh Yeah, but still. Um 
So, have you ever heard of the band Theory of a Dead Man? Nope. Okay, because it's it it sounded very familiar to me, but they did a cover of it. They they did um a kind of acoustic cover of it. So it's just the singer, acoustic guitar, a bass player, and then just like an electronic drum, like a little drum pad. And uh, yeah, they they did a cover of um of this song. So here you go, Jeff. This one's for you because it's kind of acoustic. Time to pull a cold rocker, a yellow ribbon instead of a swastika. Nothing wrong about your propaganda. Fools follow rules when the sick command you. Said it was blue when your blood was red. That's how you got a bullet blasted through your head. Blasted through your head, blasted through your head. I gave a shout out to the living dead. Stood and watched the Fed go centralized. So serene on the screen, you was mesmerized. Selling your phone, sounding the death tone. Corporations called turn you to stone before you realize. Below the clip in Omnicolor, said they packed the nine. They fired in a prime time. They sleep the gas, serve your home was like Alcatraz. Your motherfuckers lost their minds. Just victims of the in house drive by. How do you feel about that? Did you get my text? I just, I literally just read it. <laughs> the guy on the right. Uh, no, it is no. not. Does it look it like is him? not him. I'm, tr- I'm seeing the guy playing the guitar or what? I don't know. The guy in the background. Does that look like it? Like, that's how I remember your friend, Sean. I never knew him that well. No, none of these guys look like him. Okay. But. So that's, that's the singer <laughs> from this band. That's the guy that you just heard sing those vocals. What a goober! No, this band is stupid. I, I like listening to it before I looked him up because I just had to look him up. So when I was listening to it, I thought this guy doesn't know. Like, like this guy's unsure. He he's riding the fence on whether or not he wants to completely go with like the Zach sound, mm-hmm. or if he wants to kind of create his own sound. He's kind of like going back and forth between the two, and mm-hmm. that's what makes this song annoying. It's not even bad. It's annoying. But this band was the first band to sign with Chad Kroger's label. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why? Chad Kroger from Nickelback. This was the first band to sign with them. So that's... Uh, makes sense. It that makes could sense. give you uh, an indication of how, how fantastic this band is or is not. Probably is not. And that's your friend, Sean. That's definitely not him. Mm, pretty sure I actually just talked to him last night, briefly. But oh. Weird. Very weird that you even bring him up. But. It's fate. There is no fate but what you make. I guess so. After like a year of not talking to the dude, but yeah, weird. Um, the next, the next one I have here is also an acoustic cover. Well, that was um, not an acoustic cover. So, well, this one is more acoustic. This is um, a girl. I'm assuming her name is Lisa Ward. I think it's safe to assume that, right? Uh, she's on vocals and acoustic guitar. Uh, her, I don't know who this guy is, but he's on on a bass, and um, they did. A cover of it. I don't know how I should feel about it. I don't. I just. I don't think it's good, but it's kind of funny. But I don't know. It's confusing. I, I have conflicting feelings on it. So here it is, Lisa Ward, uh, with her cover of uh, "Bullet in the Head." <laughs> <laughs> 
There we go. Cover of Rage Against the Machine, uh, Bullet in the Head on the acoustic guitar right. and bass. It's mostly going to be Craig's show. This is just for augmenting it a wee bit. Um, there is swearing and there is shouting and rapping. If those aren't your things, give this one a miss. Turn off now. <laughs> but if, if they are, hope you enjoy. She has a great accent though, but... <laughs> that was it? That's all you're going to play? No. time i heard it but i like it a lot more now what do you think <clears throat> so so you're yeah, you ever watch a show and like one of the side characters is asking like another side character or the main character star of the show is like, what do you think and the guy's like that was and he pauses for dramatic effect <laughs> yeah and it looks like he's going to say it was super shitty, but then he's just like, that was awesome! Mm-hmm. That's how good that was. That was so fucking rad. That was so cool. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> that was amazing. That was one of the best covers that we've heard on this pod thus far. <laughs> it was so oh, It was so great. earnest. It was so truthful. It was so endearing. Just imagine walking into like, your daughter's room because she has like her boyfriend up. And you're like, oh, what is what this fucking guy doing? And you walk in and they're playing fucking rage covers. Like OG rage covers. Deep cuts on fucking self-entitled where he's playing the actual bass. He's not even playing guitar. Oh, dude. So good. Oh, my God. Can you hear that? Yeah. (laughs) 
There you go. Dude, that, sounded, that, that sounded like you laughing. That sounded like you laughing. That was your laugh. No, it was That guy not. had your laugh. No. Yes, it was. That was you laughing. I swear. That was you. Oh, shit. Who was this person? No. Do you know this person? Uh Oh, shit. I just, I just exited out. Hold it. His name is on there. I thought it was Let's a girl. See. Well, something, it is. Something but, Ward. Yeah, Lisa Ward is her name, but the guy that's with her playing the bass is uh, Craig, Craig Burney. I don't know who the fuck that is. Like this girl's, I'm hoping. I mean, I'm imagining like a weirdo. I'm imagining this girl is like 13 years old, and she will grow up to be like a Gwen Stefani type. She will grow up to be like a Haley Williams. She will grow up to be somebody fucking rad. She looks like she's like 19 or 20. Ah, it's too late. Yeah. She, she already she, grown up. She actually she she looks a lot like um, uh, Emma Watson, the girl who plays Hermione Granger in Harry Potter. That's Emma Watson. Wait. Wait, Emma Watson, or what's the other Emma? Emma no, Stone? Emma, you're thinking of Emma Roberts, the redhead? Yeah. From like, so red, yeah, it's Emma Roberts. Oh. Emma Watson was the one who played Hermione Hermione in uh, Harry Potter. Not the girl from Twilight. No, not the, that's, that's Kristen, oh wait, what's her oh, name? Okay, that's the Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart, yeah. That's, that's who I'm thinking name. about. No. But yeah, no, that, that was Lisa Ward. Um, there you go. Kind of a. Dope AF, <laughs> as a kid say. Also weird that you brought up some forty one prior to this. Oh boy. Because they did they used to cover the instrumental part of Bullet in the Head, like the fast part, but they but Derek Wibley never uh he never sang it, it was always just the instrumental. And they would always throw it in to parts of uh their song Nothing on My Back. So I could play it if you want, but it's That's like pretty solid. That's it's right. just it's cool, but it's just kind of like scattered. So it's kind of like, it's weird how it was cool how they they kind of set it up within the song. Like there are multiple parts in the song where they throw in that that riff. So that's kind of cool, but otherwise, I don't know. I'm not gonna play it. Okay. Because I got three more. I got th- I got three left. Oh damn. So, yeah. So this next one, uh, it's actually not a cover, but it's a song called "Bullet in the Head." And the only reason why I really wanted to bring it up was because it's by somebody called Gucci Hoochie. And I feel like that's something like that you would like a lot. So I don't know, just the name itself is Gucci Gucci Hoochie. Gucci Hoochie. And uh, it's, it's her version or it's her song called Bullet in the Head. Here we go.
like it? No. Stop. <laughs> Turn it off, please. This is the first time. Oh. You and I have been potting for like four years almost. That was bad. This is like the first time where you've actually yelled and said, stop it. <laughs> Literally the first time. Oh, man. That was so bad. Oh my God, that was that was remarkable. I cannot believe you actually told me to literally stop. <laughs> my ears couldn't take it anymore. That, I just I couldn't do it. I like a lot of bad things too. <laughs> I know that you was, do. That's that why was I thought you'd like it. <laughs> wow. What didn't you like about it, about Gucci Uchi? Well, now that name is 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 not even like what I thought it was. Remember in Step Brothers when they go to see. Oh, what's the guy's name? Seth or fucking when they were in the tuxedos? What's that dude's name? The the guy from Pineapple Express. I Seth Rogen. In, oh, Seth Rogen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be the janitors. Yeah. Yeah, but they're but they're dressed in tuxedos. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's you know, it's funny. I get it. You're wearing tuxedos, but then after they fart, he's like, you know what? Now the tuxedos seem kind of fucked up. <laughs> like when you said Gucci Hoochie, I thought it was oh, this is fun, but now that you say it, it seems kind of fucked up, and I don't <laughs> like that at all. I don't like anything about that. That was possibly the worst thing we've ever heard on the pod. That was worse than anything Corn's ever done. Said it. Oh, it's hundred percent worse than anything that Ben's ever done. Did you Did you like that song? No, it was fucking awful. It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was just shocking how bad that was. But I I really just wanted to put it on because of one because of how bad it was, and two because of the name Gucci Gucci. I okay. loved it. Okay, so here we go. We we got I got I got an electronic um, remix of the song, because I kn- I know how you are with electronic. Music, well, I man. love them or hate them. You love them or hate them. Love them or so hate them. So here's um here's a pretty like heavy kind of bass remix of it for you. from a guy named Boz B-O-Z-Z that was his uh, his remix of Bullet in the Head what do you think Jeff what do you got you know if if he had sped that up I wouldn't even be like 
surprised if you said this is a dead mouse intro <laughs> to another song. Yeah. Like it, that's what it sounded like to me. It was yeah, cool. I liked right. it a lot. Yeah. It was tight. It was bar. It was, it, was, it was dope. It was cool. It was, it was dope. fun. Dope, dope. It was daft. It was dope AF. Daft. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. You know, I did have one last cover, but I think I fucked up the link and I can't find it. Tight. Yeah, I know. I don't know what happened. You remember Bad Baby? Yeah. That's what that other song reminded me of the Hoochie Goochie Poochies Goochie Boochies. You're right. It did. That's what that shit reminded me. That's why. That's why probably why I dislike it so much. Cash me outside. Yeah. But you love that. Well, that was a fun thing to say until she started to make like a name for herself based off of that one little remark, and based off her being a complete little shit. (laughs) That was Gucci Hoochie for you. But no, I totally see what you mean with a bad baby and that shit's awful, man. The way she marketed herself, awful. It's very exploitative. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, like I said, I, I did have one last cover. It was a it was a cover where he he uh, he did the song in port. It was the the song, but he did it in Portuguese. Oh, dude, what are you I know, doing over here? But I I don't know what I don't know why it didn't link it didn't link it properly, and I can't find it. Was it Sue George or Sway Jorge? No, it it was it was it sounded exactly like the actual song, but the. The it was sung in Portuguese rather than English. Damn. Yeah, I know. What the fuck, man? I don't know why I didn't link right. I'm trying to look for it right now, real quick. But I don't know what else you want to do here. So we no. probably yeah. No, we yeah, we're done. All right, yeah. So I mean, that that's about. Do we have an MVP of this song at all? What do you think? Um, given. The kind of new direction I think you can give this song lyrically. Mm-hmm. If this is telling, if this is Zach talking to somebody specific or just not like a specific, but like a specific type of person and warning them of the their spoils of war, that's that's that, that gives this song that sheds new light on this song. Mm-hmm. But everybody else really brings it to the point where it's hard. So I'm almost I'm I'm I think I'm gonna give this a three way tie between everybody except Zach. <laughs> everyone but Zach? Yeah. How is that even possible? I think I think I give a three way tie to everybody but Zach because I really love B dub's drumming. I love that it's so simple and there's such minimal use of a hi hat. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of it. But when he does use it, it's very, very effective and it's very noticeable. Yeah. Makes sense. I, I love it. I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. That baseline, you, you can't beat it. But then Tom Morella, he's just absolutely out there doing what Tom Morella does best. Yeah. And he, he doesn't always do that. That's true. He doesn't yeah. always do that. He throws like, the solo in there very, like, very much in the beginning of the song. And so you have a lot of time to develop other things, in which he completely did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, my MVP was, it was a toss-up between Tom Morello or Timmy C., I couldn't figure out which one I like more. Give him a tie, dude. I can't because I think I might have to give Timmy C. You love C riding the fence. Give him a tie. I do. But I think I'm going to have to give Timmy C the, the MVP of this song because of that that last note in the song. It just, to me, that just is truly the 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 cherry on top of this song is that is that he is the last part of the song. It's just, it's so like, Ah, dude, I can't even explain it. It's just like, why? How could you end a song like that? But it sounds so good. 
I love it. So Timmy C is my my MVP of this of this song. So there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, this is this is uh, Rage Against the Pod, otherwise known as Rat Pod. Go to iTunes, go rate review, rate review and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Rage Against the Pod or Rage Against Pod, depending on what you're at, where you're at. But yeah, thank you all for listening. My name is Tyler. Way out there, out in the ether, hundreds of miles away is Jeff. Thank you again for listening. I don't know what song we're going to be doing next, but uh, you know, more than likely we're going to keep doing this weekly once again until we finish all of the Rage Against the Machine songs. So there you go. That's it. That's all. You got anything all. else to say? Um, No. No? Okay. Well... <laughs>